Today I want to talk to you about peace and faith as we continue the series, The Battle. Let's look at our primary text portion of scripture in Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor. If you haven't been with us the last several weeks, we're in a series called The Battle. And Paul is telling us to put on the armor because we're in a battle against a spiritual enemy. And so that is what this is talking about. And you got to have on the full armor. In other words, Paul says, you can't win this battle with half the armor on. You can't win the battle against the devil with two thirds of the armor on. You must have on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's very important that you understand that the devil has schemes. He has a well-thought-out battle plan on how to take you out. Schemes. Verse 12 says, for our struggle, or we wrestle not against, or, or our battle, or our war is not against flesh and blood. Not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can I tell you that there is an unseen battle? There's an unseen world that we battle against. Paul says your battle is not against flesh and blood, but there's this evil world. There's this unseen world. Listen, there's a real devil. There are real demons that fight against you and I. Listen, if you don't believe in an unseen world, then you've never smelled a silent but deadly. Oh, you'll get it later. Just keep thinking. Come on, come on, come on. A silent, but you, you, there's an unseen world is what I'm trying to say. And it affects you and I. So Paul goes on to say, verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God. And Paul talks again about this armor of God. And you say, why? Well, Paul was in a Roman prison because of his faith in Christ. And he was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And Paul was looking at the Roman soldier and his armor. And he started to compare the Roman soldier's armor to our Christian armor, to our spiritual armor that you and I need to wear to win the battle against our spiritual enemy. Put on the full armor of God so that when you, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Everybody shout stand. Come on, even online, just say it in your house, in the co- if you're in the coffee shop, just whisper, stand. It's important that you catch this. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Now, if a word is mentioned in the Bible one time, it's important. If it's mentioned twice, it's really got to be important. And if it's mentioned three times, it's got to be the whole theme of, of that portion of Scripture. And here three times we say, see, stand your ground. Then to stand, then we see verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the belt of truth. You can get online and watch the message for free. Listen to the message. Download the message on, the, on your iPod for free, the belt of truth. He says, then, with the best breastplate of righteousness in place. And we talked about that last week. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted. I think it's interesting. 
He says, you got to stand. You got to stand your ground. You got to take a stand. You got to stand firm then. And now he talks about the feet and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I think all of us know the importance of shoes. You don't want to run a marathon with combat boots on. The kind of shoes you wear is very important. You don't want to go hunting with flip-flops on. The kind of shoes you choose are very important. You don't want to play basketball with cleats on. You break an ankle. You don't want to go on a job interview barefooted unless you don't want the job. What I'm saying is the kind of shoes you wear is very important to your success in life. And listen, you think your shoes are important for the Roman soldier. The kind of shoes the soldier wore was very important to his success. You see, in those days, you have to understand, they didn't have paved roads like you and I have today. They didn't have sidewalks like you and I have today. You see, there are many occasions that you and I, shoes are not just not a necessity. We don't have, they didn't have sidewalks. They didn't walk into buildings with carpeted floors and tiled floors. No, no. They walked on rocky places. They walked on thorny ground. It was common to walk in those days and there would be broken pieces of, of, of things laying on the ground, sharp objects laying around. And, and so shoes, man, that, that, that were going to be important and, and they had to end up developing shoes. But at the time, a lot of people didn't wear shoes. And one of the common battle war tactics of the day was Armies would put down broken pieces of glass and pottery. And another army, a powerful army, would be coming to fight against their enemy. And they would be charging ahead. And all of a sudden, they would step on glass, on pottery. And the other enemy knew if we can mess up their feet, no matter how powerful they are, how big they are, how smart they are, how strong they are, listen, they cannot prevail and win the victory. We will render them powerless if they can't stand. And what happened is in those battles, after the Roman soldiers, they got tired of stepping on glass and pottery, they figured out some things. They figured out we need some shoes. And what they did is the Roman soldiers created shoes, and they were kind of a sandal boot combination. It was kind of a sandal with an open toe and open, kind of open, and then it would come across around the calf area, and it would kind of lace up and tie, and it was a shoe. And now the soldier could march forward and battle and fight the enemy and not worry about thorny places and rocky places and broken glass, but could fight their enemy. It was very interesting as I was studying. Also on the bottom of their shoes, the soldiers put these little small pieces of metal. And, it, and this metal kind of acted like a cleat for you and I today. I was taking my son to... Football practice, my second oldest child, Cade, he's seven, he is playing football this year, and about three weeks ago or so, they started football practice, and I took Cade, and that week was really busy for us, that day was busy, so we didn't have the proper shoes for Cade, and he went to practice, and he was the only kid there without cleats on, 
and, and you know, Cade was back at running back and doesn't have his cleats on, but, you know, he's got that Cooper blood in him. He don't need no cleats to score no touchdowns. Come on, somebody. I'm just playing. Loosen up if you don't know me. I'm playing. I'm playing. But he didn't have any cleats on, and Cade gets the handoff, right? And he starts running the ball, and he tries to make a cut, and he actually slips, and he falls down. And I start to think, man, I wish he had his cleats on. And so the next week, it was practice again, but we got cleats for him. And he had his cleats on like the other kids. And this time, the coach called kind of a very similar play, and Kate gets the ball, and he starts running. And actually, he makes a cut, and he slips again, but this time he keeps his balance, and he keeps running because he's got his cleats on, and he runs to the end zone. And it was so funny. After, ba- after football practice, Kate says to me, hey, Dad, did you see I slipped like last week? He said, but this, today I had my cleats on. And then I stood, I, st- I was able to stand, and I, I could run the ball. He said, I had my cleats on. He was so excited to tell me about his cleats. He recognized that those cleats made a difference. And Cade was right. He was able to stand his ground and to move forward because he had the right kind of shoes on. And Paul says to you and I, when our feet are fitted with the gospel of peace, we can stand against the devil's attacks. You see, Peace gives us a firm foundation to stand on when the enemy is attacking. Peace gives us solid ground to stand on when all hell is breaking loose. Peace gives us a solid foundation to stand. And there are two types of peace that we need to look at today. The first type of peace is peace with God. Peace with God. God. The first thing we need to have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace is we need peace with God. You see, before we give our life to Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 clearly says that we were enemies of God. Before you gave your life to Christ, you were an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God. If you don't know the Lord today, you're watching online and you don't know the Lord today, the Bible says that you're an enemy of God. In other words, you're on Satan's side. And you're actually fighting against the plan that God has for your life and his purpose that he has for your life. And you're fighting against the Lord. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. And listen, peace with God is a spiritual condition that every Christian has. Peace with God. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that word justified means just as if I never sinned. And we have been justified through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have, notice this, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first type of peace that we need to have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace is we need to have peace with God. Listen, we need God on our side. We need to have, we don't want to be an enemy of God and on Satan's side. If we're going to defeat defeat the spiritual evil one, we must have peace with God. God and have God on our side. But there's a second type of peace. There's peace with God, but there's also peace of God. Peace of God. You see, it's possible to have peace with God, but not to have the peace of God. Every Christian has peace with God. 
But there are a lot of Christians who have peace with God, but they live every day without the peace of God. And one of the major attacks of the devil, one of the major attacks of the evil one is to rob us of peace. And many of you in this place, some of you watching online, you know what I'm talking about. Because you live a lot of days, and some of you are living today, and you live with constant anxiety. It's an attack of the enemy. You live with constant turmoil. You live with constant inner chaos. You, you live with constant worry. And one of the attacks of the enemy is to rob you of peace because he knows you can't stand on solid ground. You can't stand against the enemy unless your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. So Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 about peace, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ. You see, the peace that I'm talking about, the only way you get it is from Christ. Some of you have this inner turmoil, you have this inner chaos, you have this worry and anxiety going on inside of you, and you really think, man, if I can just make more money, I'll have peace. If I can just get a bigger house, I'll have peace. If I can just get a nicer car, I'll have peace. If I can just get these kids out the house, I'll have peace. If I can just get me another husband, I'll have peace. But no, 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 no. Paul says, here's how you get peace. Let the peace that comes from Christ, only from Christ, rule in your hearts. That word rule is very interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of, a, you look at it in the Greek, it's kind of a, a sporting word. It, what Paul is referring to is an umpire. And when an umpire makes a ruling, it's final. In a baseball game, if an umpire calls strike three, you're out. You can get mad if you want, huff and puff, throw your helmet down, throw your bat in the air, but you're out. The umpire has ruled. And Paul says, listen, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let it umpire your hearts. Let it call the shots in your heart. For as a member of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Please hear me. The will of God for your life is that you would live a life of peace. Listen to what it says. You are members of one body, the body of Christ. You are called to live in peace. And some of you have start, started to believe, I've got to just live a life of worry. I've got to live a life of stress. I've got to live a life of anxiety. You know, it's just in the Cooper blood. We're just worry warts. No, 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 no. The word of God says that you are called to live a life of peace. Let the peace of God anchor your life. Let the peace of God be a firm foundation so that you can stand against the attacks of the spiritual enemy. Let peace rule your heart. Let peace umpire your heart. When stress starts to come in, let peace call the shots and say, oh, no, stress is not coming in. Let, 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 let peace rule your heart and say, oh, Oh, no, worry is not coming in. The enemy tries to bring anxiety. Oh, no, peace is ruling my heart. It's calling the shots. You say, well, pastor, how do I let peace umpire my heart and rule my heart? Well, Paul, well, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Please hear me today. 
don't be anxious about anything. And you know what the devil does? The devil is always trying to attack us and make us anxious about everything. The Bible says don't be anxious for anything. And our spiritual enemy, he attacks us. He attacks our peace and wants us to be anxious about everything. And can I tell you, some of you today, you're anxious about everything. You're worried about everything. You're freaked out about everything. The enemy is attacking. You're just always, oh, oh, it's oh, what's happening? Oh, there's a tick on the ground. Oh, it's going to attack me, a tick. Oh, I got ticks all over my body. Oh, and you just live stressed out. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. See, the devil's constantly trying to rob you of peace. Money is short and the bills are long. He attacks. I'm worried now. I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. Sickness attacks your body. Stressed out, worried. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to die. I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning. I've got the flu. I'm going to die. Worry. Stress. Relationships are going sour. The enemy tries to rob you of peace. He didn't want you to have your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And you start worrying about the relationship. And you're stressed out. The kids are in trouble. And you just start worrying and worrying and biting your fingers and your fingernails off and pulling your hair. You're worrying. You're stressed out. They're, they're laying off people at your job. Oh, no, I'm going to be next. I, know, I just know they're going to call me in the bar. And you worry. And you stay up night after night. Wor- Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, here's how you get peace. You lean hard on God. You take it to the Lord. Instead of worrying and stressing out and biting your fingernails and pulling your hair out, lean hard on God. Take it to God in prayer. Listen, can I tell you, worrying doesn't solve any problems in your life. All worrying does for you is take hours away from your life. That's it. And you worry and you stress out and you're anxious and you're pulling your hair out. And Paul says, no, no, no. Everything that you're worried and you're anxious and is gripping your mind, take it to the Lord in prayer and petition. Present your request to God. Lean hard on your heavenly Father. And here's what happens, verse 7. And the peace of God. Notice that, not with God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Herbert Cooper translates that verse, the peace that doesn't make any sense. Can I tell you that God can give you a peace that doesn't make any sense? Everybody else is losing their mind, but you got peace. People don't even understand. They don't even understand. why. Look, what's, look, look, don't you see what's going on in your family? I got peace. Don't you see what's going on at the job? Everybody else, oh, I got peace. I've taken it to the Lord in prayer. I've trusted the Lord. I'm leaning hard on God. And there's a peace. It doesn't make any sense, but I got peace. And the peace 
of God, which transcends all understanding, check this out, will guard, I like that military word, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus when you lean hard on God, when you take it to the Lord in prayer, when you take the stress from the workplace, from family, from friends, from what's going on in your life, and you give it to God, the Bible says the peace of God will guard. So the enemy tries to come in, but it will guard your heart. When you lean hard on God, there's a peace that doesn't make any sense. It'll guard your mind. and cry. The enemy tries to come in with worry and stress. But peace is calling the shots in your life. And Paul says this, Paul says this, Paul says this. You want to win the battle against the enemy? There's a real devil. He has schemes. He's trying to take you out. He says, here's how you win the battle. You've got to be on a, standing on a firm foundation. You have to have your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. There's a third thing I want you to see today. We're talking about the armor of God because we have to have on the full armor to stand against the enemy and to win the victory. And let's look at another piece of the armor. Point three is this, the shield of faith, the shield of faith. The Bible says this. Come on. I want to help you get the victory today. Ephesians 6 and verse 16 says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all. Everybody shout all. I want you to catch that. All the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Roman soldiers had many types of shields, but there were two that were prominent in the day. There was a smaller shield that the soldiers could keep with them, maybe on their back, on their belt. And the soldier, when they were in hand-to-hand combat, they would take out the smaller shield. And they would battle against the enemy. So as they were fighting hand-to-hand combat and their enemy pulled out a club or a sword and tried to hit them, they could block. The enemy tried to punch them. They could block it with their smaller shield. But, but this is not the shield that Paul is referring to in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians 6, Paul is referring to this larger shield. It was about two and a half feet wide. It was about four and a half feet tall. You have to understand that the soldiers in that day were about five feet tall. And so a soldier could easily hide behind this four and a half foot tall shield. And it's very important that you understand some of the battle tactics of that day. One of the major battle tactics of the day was that the enemies would get these bow and arrows, these arrows, and they would put cloth around them and they would light them on fire and then they would shoot them into the enemy's camp. And you could only imagine the chaos this caused as fire started hitting the enemy's camp. Fire was hitting soldiers and this, and, and, and an arrow hits the soldier and his clothes catch on fire. And he starts running around and other soldiers are catching on fire and other things, stuff is catching on fire. It was a major tactic that enemies used. And so what the Roman soldiers did is they developed this larger shield. And they would take this shield and dip it in water. And the shield would be soaked with water and covered in water. And this larger shield, the soldier would go out into battle. And as they were headed towards their enemy, their enemy would take those fiery darts and start shooting them at the soldiers. But the soldiers were marching side by side together. And it would be hundreds and thousands of soldiers. And when the arrows started coming, the flaming arrows, 
they would lift up their shields over their heads and they would continue to march in unison because they got their shield up and it's been dipped in water and the arrows would come and hit the top of the shield and it, the, the, they would put out the, the fiery dart and they continued to march until they got to their enemy and able to defeat their enemy. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the church of Jesus Christ? That we march together in unity, that we march side by side in the arms of the Lord to defeat our spiritual enemy. Can I tell you that there's power in marching together as the church of Jesus Christ? You don't want to start fighting the devil all by yourself. That's why the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together because there's power in marching together. Listen, we're better together than we are separately. And we get in the army of the Lord and we march step by step and side by side with our shield of faith. That's why we talk about small groups around here. I'm in one. God never designed us to do life by ourselves. He never designed us to be a Christian all by ourselves. We need one another. From the pastor to the little bitty kid, we need each other in the body of Christ. And listen, that's why we're doing this 30-day life challenge. We're not doing it for my health. We're not doing it so we can be busy as a church. We know we need each other in the body of Christ. We know that we're stronger together as we march side by side, shoulder by shoulder with the shield of faith. And we're locked arm arm in arm. We can defeat the enemy together. Can I encourage you to host a group? Would you do that? All you have to have is a DVD player. All you have to have is a computer. I've already shot the video. I've already got two of them done for you. I'm going to do all the talking and talking to you and leading your group for you. Hit play. Open your home up. Open a bag of chips up and hit play. Get everybody some water. Come on, go meet at Starbucks, meet at, meet at Burger King. It doesn't matter where you meet. But let's get together. I'm asking for a four-week commitment. As you leave out of the building today, out in the lobby, you can sign up to host a group. Would you host one? I want everybody to at least be a part of one for four weeks because can I tell you, there's a real devil that's fighting against us and we're stronger when we march together in the army of the Lord. And what Paul is saying to you and I, he's saying that faith is like a shield that extinguishes the fiery darts of the devil. Having faith in God, having faith in God's word is key to winning the battle. Faith, faith, faith is key. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 through 9. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong. Check this out. Be strong in your faith. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has Asked to sift you as wheat. He wants to fire these darts at you. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. That you don't put down the shield of faith when the enemy is attacking. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. It's by faith. You must take up the shield of faith to stand against the fiery darts of the devil. Friends, can I tell you, the enemy is attacking. You know what he attacks with? He shoots fiery darts of doubt, of unbelief. What the devil wants you to do, the devil wants you to start doubting God, doubting God's word, doubting God's 
promises. One of the major ways the devil attacks humanity is to get us to doubt God. And he shoots fiery darts of doubt and unbelief. Matter of fact, the first time the devil attacked humanity, you know what he did? He shot fiery darts of doubt and unbelief. Let me show you how the devil works. Let me show you how he attacked the very first time and how he attacks us today. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat, eat from any tree in the garden? You hear the devil? Did God really say? Are you sure you heard that right? Are you sure God said don't eat from that? Are you sure? And Satan starts to undermine God's word. Satan starts to get Eve questioning God's word, gets her doubting God's word. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. I mean, she knew what God said. And you must not touch it or you will die. She says, we can't eat from that tree. If we eat from that tree, God won't bless us. There will be consequences. There, there are going to be problems. We're going to die. There's going to be issues. We can't eat from that tree. And notice what the devil says. Verse 4. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing Good and evil. And he starts firing those darts of doubt and unbelief. Did you catch that? You won't die. I mean, Eve, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a tree. It's just a piece of fruit. Listen, God's got it all wrong. He's trying to keep something from you. Listen, you're going to be like God. God's holding out on you. It's okay. Go ahead and eat. Did God really say? Did God say that you can be healed? Listen, you can't be healed. Is that what God told you? You can't be healed. You're sick in your body. You can't be healed. <laughs> Listen, did, she died. She prayed and she died. Did he say he was a Christian? He died. He got sick. He didn't even. You don't, don't believe that stuff. I mean, you, did, did God really say? Listen, you don't have to, you don't have to always be honest. Did God, did God say, no, listen, listen. You've got to meet quota at work. It's at the end of the month. Your numbers are sagging. You just go ahead and not tell the truth. That guy won't even know he got a lemon until he gets home. <laughs> did God really say? Honor his word. Listen, you don't have to honor his word. Not this time. Listen, God wants you happy. <laughs> he wants you happy. You, listen, you can't be a one-woman man. You can't be happy like that. <laughs> because, listen, you just need to leave your husband. Listen, listen. You've been fighting ever since y'all been married the last six months. <laughs> God really said, listen, did he say you couldn't mess around with that? Girl, you can't mess around before me. Did God, 
God's, listen, God's, God's holding out on you. God's hold, you. It's okay. You know there's some gray area. Everything's not black and white. It's okay to live in gray. And you know, everything's not right and wrong. There's not, everything's not true. It's so you can twist the truth. This is a gray area. It's so. Did God really say that? God talks about getting on a budget in his word and knowing where your money is. And God talks about tithing and giving. I mean, did God really say 10%? You know all that church wants is your money. Did you hear that preacher talk about going to church, reading your Bible, doing the whole going to church? Listen, you can be a Christian. You can serve God and be strong in God. You don't need to go to church and be in a small group. You don't have to pray and read your Bible. Listen, you're a strong man. You're a strong woman. You're just fine. You don't worry about that whole church deal. He shoots his fiery darts. They, they hurt you. You don't forgive. You hold on to that grudge. You get even. You retaliate. And he fires his fiery darts of doubt and unbelief. And Paul says there's a real devil. There's a real enemy. And the way that you extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy is to pick up the shield of faith and trust God and trust his promises. You trust the word of God. And when the devil is attacking you, no matter how bad or bleak or sad or tragic it may look, you continue to lean on God and have faith in God. Listen, the devil may attack your body with sickness and he'll tell you you can't be healed god's not healing people today no you pick up the shield of faith and says no by his stripes i was healed and i hold on to the word of god i stand on the promises of god the devil may attack you and he may tell you listen all you have is two pennies in your name you don't know how you're going to pay these bills you might as well lose your mind give up quit you've been eating ramen noodles the last week you're not going to make it forget this whole god and christianity thing no, you pick up the shield of faith and say, oh, no, devil, I've got faith in my God. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The devil's attacking you. He's attacking your kids. Listen, your kids will never serve God. Look at those heathens. Look at them. They're never going to love God. They're going to live a wild, loose life. You pick up the shield of faith and say, oh, no, devil, I put good seed in my kid. I taught my kids the word of God, and the word of God will not return void. I stand on the word of God today the promises of the word of God I trust God I stand on his word I'm going to live the word I'm going to talk the word I'm going to live my life by the word because listen faith is not just believing faith is action Faith is doing the word. James said faith without works is dead. I'm going to live the word. I'm going to talk the word. I'm putting the word into action. And when the devil psh, 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 fires his fiery darts, I lift up the shield of faith and extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one.